take a girl and a guy and they fall madly in love and form a family. Sprinkle in some counseling degrees and a doctorate, a dream of transforming relationships as we know it. And 20 years later, we give you power couple Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. And this is their podcast, Couples Synergy. Welcome back to another episode of Couples Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean. Hi, I'm Dr. Ray. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast about love, marriage, and relationships. Check us out online at couplesynergy.com or on Facebook and Instagram at Couples Synergy. And please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review or send us any suggestions on topics you'd like to hear more about. And now on to Couples Synergy, an in-depth look at love, marriage, and relationships, where we bring you our experience helping thousands of couples transform their relationships for over 20 years. You know, everyone says you should work on your relationship, but nobody teaches us how. So we've created this podcast to teach people what they can do to create the relationship they've always dreamed of. With the partner they fell in love with. On today's episode, we are going to be tackling a really awesome and thought-provoking question. But before we do that, I just want to say that we, this is the 195th episode. Wow. And we have 101,737 subscribers to the podcast. Yay! It's so awesome to just see these numbers, you know, just keep going up and reaching, you know, this audience across the world. Uh, It it is so awesome hearing from all of you, too. I remember when we got to the 1K, the 1,000. Yeah, 1,000. And I was like, oh, that's so exciting. It's 100,000. 100,000. 700. 101,700. Yeah. That's, thank you out there, all of you listeners and those of you who are just really in tune to all the topics that we keep bringing about. And this one, this topic today is going to be a really awesome one, too. We have brought on Angela, too, onto the podcast to join us in this conversation. Hi, Angie. Hi. Happy to be back. Yeah. Happy to have you, too. So the topic today is the question. What do you wish? you knew before you got married. What do you wish you knew before you got married? That's uh, thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we you've done like a poll, Gene. Yeah. You put out a poll mm-hmm. and to kind of see what other people would say. And I think we're going to ponder on it too, because I don't know what your answer is. And I don't know what Angie's answer is. And I don't know what my answer is. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we lived together before we were married. Angie, you lived together with your husband before you were married. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people that are not married say it's just a piece of paper and it doesn't matter. And I think that's something that we should kind of talk about is what is the difference of making that formal and legal commitment versus a love commitment without maybe the formality or the publicness or the legalness. Of it. Well, we have talked about that in past podcasts in that it does change things. And we have worked with couples who were together for a very long time without getting married. And then once they got married, these new dynamics came out in the relationship that didn't exist before. Okay. So, you know, that reminds me, Dan and Caitlin, 
You mm-hmm. interviewed them. Yes, we did. And they, that was one of the themes of their episode, right? About choosing to be together in their committed relationship, but they also made the choice not to get married. And they made the choice not to get married for financial reasons, which is really mm-hmm. interesting that it would have been a more expensive and di- more difficult for their lives financially if they got married. Mm-hmm. Versus you know, choosing not to get married because of maybe commitment issues mm-hmm. or just fear of, you know, taking that next step, which is legal, and it would make it more difficult to leave. Mm. You know, I just want to give a shout out to Dan and Caitlin because they listen to every episode <laughs> and they're very close to having a baby and we're really excited for them and we just want to send them a lot of good love and support for their continued growth and working on themselves and their family and Dan and Caitlin Dan's my nephew and your cousin yeah and I think that's really cool and so hi guys I know you're listening and who knows maybe they'll be back on yeah right oh, you know oh, as new parents time later you know? yeah stage two yeah uh-huh. that would be but we love be you guys interesting to follow their journey yeah so the question of what do you wish you knew before you got married? Yeah. I think the question, or how I would answer that question is, um, I wish I knew how difficult and how challenging it would be. I'm going to just reference hiking because we hike, right? <laughs> <laughs> and we prepared to hike the mountains without ever stepping on a mountain. Right. Right. Yes. With That's ever true. without ever doing a mountain pass, mm-hmm. we had hiked 500 miles in preparation for that. We did do some elevation stuff, but Nothing when we got close. to that first pass, yeah. we were like, "What is this?" Yeah. And I think that's how relationships unfold as well. You kind of go along like, "Oh, this is very lovely," and yeah. you don't really know until you bump into whatever that thing is that you're like, "Oh." Granted, I wouldn't change anything knowing the answer to that question that it is difficult and very challenging. I just think that too often people get into relationships thinking that it should just click. It should just work. It should come naturally. It should. Oh, that's great. That, we hear that a lot, right? It, shouldn't it just come naturally? <laughs> yeah, no. No, it doesn't. You know, I was just thinking about something. Angie, you have worked with more couples than anyone who's ever worked with us. Really? Yeah. You have the most amount of couples experience wow. work working with a deep than any other therapist that have ever worked for us. And so, you know, that says a lot because mm-hmm. it's very, really tough work. And that's the question, right? How many people does it just naturally happen? <laughs> and you come from these very different backgrounds that include in-laws and friendships and jobs and all sorts of things that you have to negotiate and everyone just Mm -hmm. naturally just lets it all fall into place and i have to say and this is of course this is what happens with this kind of work i realized that but when you start out and you have like an evaluation you meet a new couple for the first time we know that they've already gotten to the point where let's say they're very uncomfortable right there's a lot of discomfort individually and together so sometimes i wish oh i wish we got them right before then right (laughs) because we're hearing like just 
really sad things and all that pain. And I know that maybe that's what's needed for them to come into this kind of work. But mm-hmm. I wish that it could be right before then. Right? Well, you you know, the the average wait time that a couple, you know, waits before seeking outside help is six years. Mm-hmm. And during that time, a lot of them just think that, oh, we need to get over this ourselves or this is something that we can handle. We don't need any help because if we got help, it would be an admission that there's a problem. And so getting them early on, I, I think it's just it, they're not in enough pain. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and I think that might be changing. You know, we got interviewed on a podcast today and we were kind of talking about that where she she was calling it mental health. Mm -hmm. And when we first came into the field, it was called mental illness, mental illness. Mm -hmm. And so you didn't go to a therapist unless you had mental illness. You Mm -hmm. didn't go to a therapist because you wanted to be healthier. Mm -hmm. And then you went for behavioral health. Right. So you (laughs) had to be having a problem where we are seeing more younger couples that are a little bit, a lot more proactive than the older couples who sometimes even wait longer than six years. And that's six years since they know there's a problem. Yeah. Not just six years of being together. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you can imagine what really ingrained dysfunctional behaviors, you know, take hold after six years of repeating the same old dance, the same old, same old. So what what... Let's back up here because what were some of the responses that you got to the poll about what you wish you knew? I'll start out with one, and that might help with the memory. One was about in-laws, like how Mm. much maybe influence or impact um, the other family, like your in-laws would have. That's a great one. one. I I think that's very impactful. That's a great question. Yeah, because one of the things that we know is if... A, a child is being raised by a parent who has befriended them or leaned on them for emotional support. It is very difficult for that person to leave the the safety and security of the relationship with the parent and create the sanctum with their bonded partner. And it's like the the parent is in the relationship with the couple. Mm-hmm. And we've seen it with female children and male children and with moms and with dads yeah that enmeshment Mm -hmm. the co-sleeping the emotional very damaging um yeah where the parent doesn't really want to let go and let that child go as an adult Mm -hmm. and have a relationship with another adult Mm -hmm. yeah you know i think it really is about trusting your gut and your intuition because I think in those cases where, you know, maybe a a couple is getting close to getting married and they start to uh, learn more about their partner's family dynamics, it might seem like they're they're really caring because they want to know everything that you're doing and the choices you're making and everything. But inside your gut, it's telling you this is a little bit too much. You know, maybe they're outstepping their bounds a little bit. And, or it feels invasive. Right, or it feels invasive. So I think to speak to that person, I would say probably you knew early on and, you know, you just didn't trust that that feeling inside. 
You know, for us, I think we're pretty lucky. Hopefully, Angie feels pretty lucky mm-hmm. with her in-laws. I do, <laughs> yes. Um, but I think that my family is fairly uh, standoffish in getting involved and also at a surface level sort of inclusive. My family of origin, so mm, to speak. Okay. My I, in-laws. Your in-laws. My in-laws. And I think that they just kind of... we're there's a type of boundary that just naturally exists. So we're not very close and I don't know. It's just sort of, it's sort of not a problem for us. Cause I think we're united enough where that there's no opportunity for them to mm-hmm. yeah. be in the middle, but your mom initially, mm-hmm. she had a hard time. And I remember dealing with that by having your yeah. dad come over and being like, how do we handle this? I was the first of my siblings to get married. And so it, you know, it changed the dynamics of the family, making it much more diverse. And so because of that, you know, how do you, how do you be a mother-in-law? Right. How do you I, find I that role? Right. That role? And, it, and of course it happened when our son was born mm-hmm. and she wanted to be helpful and useful yeah, we're talking about she would like clean our house. Yeah, and I couldn't all find anything. The and time, like, ah. and she was coming from a great place. Yeah, to very kind-hearted, but it was like, okay, you're too in it, our space. It's a little, it's a little too much. Yes, you're being helpful, but I can't find our taxes now. You know, it's like that kind of thing where everything's all over the place. And fortunately, we were able to resolve that yeah. and and move on, which is great. But I think, especially when a baby's born. And there's a daughter-in-law, mother-in-law situation. Mm-hmm. Those are tricky dynamics. And what I'll add there mm-hmm. is, you know, every situation's different. So if you're talking about Ray's mom mm-hmm. trying to figure out her role as a mother-in-law, at that time she was an instant grandma yeah. to a child who, you know, was already 10. And she was becoming a new grandma to your first born right right my second born yes yeah. your second born so it's like the all a lot of, of change that, right yeah. yeah and and a pretty new mother-in-law because we'd only been together not so long right so that yeah those are a lot of really interesting dynamics that i think there's a way to be compassionate in all directions and that's different i think than like someone who's being invasive and really controlling but I think, you know, even with you, Ange, we've always, every now and then, have to do the reset button and figure out where the lines are, especially because, I mean, you're not just our daughter-in-law. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think you were our daughter before you were our daughter-in-law, and we work together now. And so there's a lot of those dynamics. Yeah. And, and then that reminds me, you know, if you want to assess your behavior, in general, right? How you manage or express your emotions around other people, right? So it changes depending on where you are and the situation. So if I'm trying to assess my behavior and emotional expression around you two, there's way more variables than around the cashier at the grocery store or around my husband, right? Or around if you two were my in-law's without having any business involved or if I never lived with you in your home, right? Like all of that changes things. Mm-hmm. There's all different roles, mm-hmm. right? And with each role that you have with a person, there are different boundaries. 
And that takes a lot of navigating, being able to know like which hat you're wearing at what time. And that's, that's really tricky, I, I would say. And, and like even for us, I mean, because we're in the business and we're constantly looking at that sometimes, and it has been for a very long time in the beginning, very difficult to know and how to navigate those different roles. You know, I, I'm thinking about, we watch a show called Heartland, um, and it's about... We uh, love that show. Yeah. It's about horses and people, right? And the dynamics of the horse and what the horse has been through, the dynamic of the person and what the person's been through. And, you know, the main character, she's always trying to figure out, like, what happened so with that relationship. Amy, yeah. uh, the actress is Amber Marshall. Yes. Which we would love to get her and her husband on the show. Yeah. That would be mm-hmm. awesome. And sometimes the horse is fine, and it's the person that has changed, and sometimes it's the horse that's changed. Mm-hmm. And I would say that's true, and that's why natural doesn't really work, because you're always growing into uncharted territory. So how would you possibly know what's natural with a in-law if you've never had an in-law before? Mm-hmm. And And you have to deal with all those dynamics, and it's the same thing that we're talking about like when you are with a person and maybe you decide to live together, that's one aspect of dynamics. And we see people live together that never make a formal commitment. And when they break up, sometimes they have to figure out what happens with the dog in the house that they've already purchased. And if you're married, then there's a legal process to go through with that. But if you're not, I, I think it's, it's... I think it's like 50-50. Visitation, you know, <laughs> they have to arrange that and drop off points. And... and that actually reminds me, if we're talking about the skin in the game with a marriage, right, an ending one, um, someone that I am close to, I remember they had two marriages and two divorces. So they, I think there was embarrassment and shame Right on their part, one of the reasons why is this person had to say to to people who are close to them, "I'm sorry that you came to and spent money on two weddings, mm. and I'm not married." Right, like that, which is different from if you were just dating people and those relationships ended. The publicness of it, yeah. yeah. Oh, I hated the publicness of it. Remember that? Uh, Yeah, it's very difficult. And I think a lot of people, you know, decide to maybe get married in a courthouse or not get married at all or elope because of that reason, Mm -hmm. you know, not wanting to commit themselves publicly. And then what if the marriage fails, you know, and that they then get divorced? Now they are feel embarrassed Mm-hmm. when they come across their family members and people who were there at their wedding. Yeah, I, I could understand that. So there's absolutely a lot you need to educate yourself on and learn because you've never been in a marriage if you're a single person contemplating getting married. And there's not a whole bunch of places to get those resources. And mm-hmm. so a lot of times... You know, I know when we got married, we did the pre-cana. And the pre-cana, it was a Catholic thing mm-hmm. that was taught by a married couple, but they had no training mm. in anything. And we've actually worked with people who've taught pre-cana yes, whose have. relationships are a mess. <laughs> and they're giving these 
kind of these idealistic yeah. answers that and you can't cookie possibly, cutter type of things. Yeah, no one can never go to that. bed angry. Yeah, <laughs> like we've done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, can you ask me the question? What was the question? Oh yeah. What would you like to have known before you were married? Okay, so I'll say my first answer is almost nothing because. I wouldn't have listened to it, right? It's hard to to hear something and to really take it in if you don't have that experience, right? And then secondly, if I'm reflecting back on things, this one is hard to put into words, so I'll try the best I can. It's something like, it is absolutely okay, and if not encouraged, to be wrong, when there is a disagreement, right? Because mm. you can't always be right, because then that means I am. one person is one hundred percent always <laughs> right. <laughs> that means one person could that. That's not a partnership, right? So no, so she's right too. She thinks she's right. Oh, okay. Well, I would say that that would be something I've learned, and maybe which would have been the most impactful if I knew before. Like it is really okay and a good thing for you to be wrong. And let's say, say it out loud, right? Mm -hmm. I would even say it's not even totally wrong. Mm -hmm. Because if you have one set of upbringing and your partner has another set of upbringing, probably somewhere in the middle is the best. And so you're both right. And you're both wrong. Somewhere in the middle is the best for the us. Yes. For, for the, the relationship mm-hmm. that you are both trying to create together, mm-hmm. right? You, your perspective that you're bringing from your family of origin is right because that's what you learn. And your partner's perspective that they're bringing from their family of origin is right as well. But it's just not right for the relationship. It's not right for the creation of the us. Because the one person can't go all the way over to the other side. Right. And the other one. Yeah. You know, I was thinking about this idea natural. And uh, you ever try to grow a plant from a seed? I, I have not. No. It is really hard. Mm-hmm. It is really easy to go to the nursery and buy a plant that is already... Adolescent. I right. don't know how. I mean, they're a not full juvenile. Grown. I think they right. call them. Yeah. But there's so much involved, just like so much involved with a baby, that there's so much to figure out with a baby. And a seed requires so much extra attention and knowledge about how's the soil, how's the light, how's the temperature, how is whatever. I've never been very successful, even though I have a lot of plants that I've had a very long time. I've never grown one from a seed. And a relationship is that. It's an entity that is growing from a seed. And so you need to have some of that knowledge. And I think you're right, Angie. I think when you're falling in love and you're getting married, the last thing you want to know about is that it's going to be work and what you should pay (laughs) attention to. I think we're all pretty shut down at that place. But I do think that if you if you can be open to not so much like that there's problems but like an educational piece Mm -hmm. and a lot of the couples that we work with especially if they've been together a very long time they always say i wish i would have learned this back then absolutely 
Yes, they all say that. Which is exactly why we're doing this podcast, because that actually just happened Mm -hmm. with one of our couples. And now let's take a little break to tell you a little bit more about our home study course called Relationship 101. One of our passions is really to bring this work to everybody. And a lot of times what we hear is one person in the relationship is wanting to work on it, the other one is not. And so this is a great way for you guys to get a taste of what it is like to work on your relationship in a fun eight date night video series to learn what you need to learn. Yeah, Relationship 101 consists of eight video modules, typically about 30 to 40 minutes long, with some discussion questions and exercises for couples to do together at the end. It's kind of a culmination of our work over 20 years and synthesizing all of the skills and tools necessary to create an amazing relationship. This online course consists of eight modules, which is five plus hours of course content. It also includes bonus resources, all designed to learn and grow together as a couple. It's fun, it's insightful, and gives you a great excuse to spend some extra quality time with your partner. All of this course content is valued at over $850. Currently now, it is priced at $387. And if you just go to go.couplesynergymethod.com slash relationship 101, it'll take you directly to the link. That's go.couplesynergymethod.com slash relationship 101. And if you're a single person, you can still benefit from it. Speaking of attention, there are two comments that you got from polling. And I I think they just kind of, they work together here. One comment was uh, that someone should have told me that men need a lot of attention. A lot of attention in all caps. And then the, the other comment is that women love to treat you like one of their kids. So here we go. This is like, you know, polar opposites here, male-female perspective. But this is really interesting because we all need attention. That's just one of the needs in a primary relationship. It's one of the needs in a human being. One of the needs in a human being, right. So how it plays out in a marriage, though, is so interesting. It's like a dance. And I just love seeing it in different couples. Yeah, because in the beginning, women have a natural drive. We're talking about nature to give, selflessly give too much. Mm -hmm. And if boys are raised by mothers who selflessly give to them, boys tend to be pretty selfish. Well, they're just going to project that. Yeah into their marriage, Mm -hmm. onto their partner. It's like, okay, this is how I was treated growing up, so you're supposed to do the same thing, right? Sorry, Ange, for that. Uh (laughs) (laughs) And and so so boys are naturally groomed or domesticated to get what they can get, and women are to give what they can give. Mm. And then it shifts because typically a baby's born, and now we have to divide up the limited resources that we have and give to the child Mm -hmm. and some men have an issue crossing over to the other side Mm -hmm. and being a giver and women tend to try to give still to everything until they collapse 
Mm -hmm. And it typically happens when, when a child is born. And that's when that shift potentially can happen, especially if a couple doesn't continue to invest in their relationship, where one of the parents is over-involved with the kid and stops being involved with their partner. So this is about a natural... I'm going to say natural. Natural again. (laughs) Here we go, natural. (laughs) This is about an evolution that is necessary in relationships, right? Relationships are supposed to evolve, right? As human beings, as a physical being on this planet... I'm supposed to evolve, and every species is supposed to evolve, and that's just the natural order of things. And so the natural order of a relationship is to evolve. And so in the beginning of a relationship, when a couple is giving to each other, once they have a child, things need to evolve. You have to be able to shift. And now, yes, a majority of your energy is going to go to the child because now this is another seed that is planted, right? Literal and fig- figurative. And now you are trying to, you know, raise this this seedling into a fully functional adult. And so some of that attention that you've been given to your partner is now going to give, be given to your child. And if you can't adjust and figure that out together, then that's when a lot of resentment it starts to build in the relationship. And if we're talking about natural, we naturally should be living in groups of 100 people. We should put natural in the title know, this of this so, episode here. It, it's so not natural. It's so natural. not natural. It's naturally not natural. Um, and you would have so much more support in raising a child. Mm-hmm. And fortunately, we had that. Your parents took Dean a lot. Alex's grandparents took him a lot. And I was able to grow in my life as an individual and we were able to maintain a relationship because we had that support and that space to do that. And you know, Ange, when you came into the family, you were even part of being the auntie mm-hmm. and nurturing some of the younger kids. And that was like a total part of being part of a family mm-hmm. that I experienced my whole life. I had I had babies around me my whole life. I have a huge family, whether it was I mean, my, my sister is three years older than my son. So, I mean, my next youngest brother is 15 months younger than me. I always had I always had to babysit, and I always got babysat or whoever, and I always had someone to help with the kids. And that's what a lot of couples don't have. Yeah, which is very unfortunate. And mm-hmm. I really feel a lot for those couples out there that don't have extended family and they don't have the quote-unquote village mm-hmm. or the community to be able to help them and they're just they're really dangling out there on their own and it is it is very difficult it really is and and we're not saying it's easy to just balance time and energy with your relationship with yourself as an individual with your kids you know it is and and to say also that things have gotten much more difficult now than ever before i mean kids activities that they have out there they're first of all expensive and second of all they take up a lot of time and for those parents out there that are trying to juggle all of that that we we understand we we see it day in and day out in working with couples that how difficult it is you know one of the cool things that i really like and admire about your and alex life and is you guys have created a community mm-hmm. and you started by watching each other's dogs 
Yeah. And supporting each other when you had to leave and probably getting mail for people or whatever kind of things that needed to happen. And as you guys are moving into some of your friends becoming parents, Mm -hmm. I could see you guys bonding together and keeping those values of that tribe, Mm -hmm. which is very meaningful because it's really sad to live in a place alone and isolated. I I, I should, you know, just kind of jump in here and say that, you know, to our listeners, Ange lives in D.C. And so Mm -hmm. you're, you know, we don't get to see you in person too much. And this is a, you know, a a really awesome privilege to have you down here in Jaxie's Pub and, you know, do this podcast in person. But that community that you both have developed, you've developed away from family. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it in the early days of living in D.C., well, not days, years, I wanted nothing more than to move back to Chicago. And then slowly that started to change, as we always do when our opinions change. And because the community was there, and and I, I think we always take note from our peers, too. Like, oh, they're trusting this. They're putting down roots. Okay, you know? And... And yes, what you were saying, Jean, about the the new baby and all that, like we're in our friend group, right? In our community in D.C., um, we're already making plans, right? We've offered to babysit and this and that. And I can think ahead in the future a few years, too, about like, okay, getting this one from school, all this. It's very exciting. Mm-hmm. I would say we had the, ex- the same experience because we, you know, bought a house in Colorado and I remember that feeling of we don't know a soul we don't know anywhere yeah so when we come here you and me are looking at the walls together and we don't know anybody (laughs) oh and you know besides college for me I've never lived out of the state of Illinois besides the army for me yeah right and so this was the first time that we actually and I mean not to say that going back and forth isn't difficult as it is but you know just being in a place where we didn't really know anybody that was, it was something different. And within a little bit of time, we formed a nice little community. We have a community now. Which yeah. is, it, it, it makes all the difference in the world. And I think that's one thing I would say is if you feel isolated, work at it. Work at like finding couples that you can hang out with, people who share your common interests and values, and that you would want to be part of your children's lives if you don't have siblings, parents, extended family to be part of that don't be so distrusting of everybody else and offer to show up. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I had friends who babysat for me and I babysat their kids. And now it's like, everyone's like, I don't want to, I don't want to be imposing, but it's kind of nice. Cause when you babysit someone else's kid, your kid has something to do. Mm. Yeah. And then hopefully it's reciprocated and then you get some time and we're sort of designed. Well, we are designed to live like that. Gene, do you want to take a crack in answering the question? And wait, let's say the question again. uh, What would you have wanted to know before you got married? Very nice job. It's like you do this often. (laughs) It comes natural (laughs) to me. You know, I don't know if this is an exact answer to the question, but one thing I wish women knew is that the person you're with really doesn't want you not to be there and you don't have to compromise yourself so much and try to be so pleasing 
because you're afraid they're going to abandon you because they're just as afraid of being abandoned as you are. And, and to speak your truth and to know that you'll be okay. And it's not okay to compromise yourself to the point where you don't even know who you are anymore and you're hurting yourself and you're not challenging your partner to become the best that they can because we're so afraid they're going to go. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm working with a woman and it's like, I can see it. She's such in battle of blowing herself off and not taking care of herself because if she doesn't give him enough attention, she's terrified of getting hurt and abandoned by him. And always, always when a guy starts to change is because a woman finally got there and said, I don't care anymore. This is enough. I would rather not be with you than live like this. And the guy's like, wait a second, I'll start working on it. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, of course, because, you know, he's he's coming from the perspective that don't rock the boat. Every, if everything If everything's looks, yeah. okay and it looks okay, then why change? Why do anything different, right? If it's, it's working, yep. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> and And again, it goes back to that concept that women believe what men say. And not what they do. And men believe what women do and not what they say. Mm-hmm. And so if you're saying something but you're behaving differently, he's not hearing you at all. He's hearing blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And if he's giving you lip service and his behaviors aren't behind it and you're not calling him out on that, you're hurting both of you. Hmm. Yeah. And I have to say that fear shows up a lot. That fear of if I talk to a client and I remind them of that principle, that's what I say it is, about your actions will speak louder, right? He'll pay more attention to that. Sometimes or most of the time I get the response, something like, I can't do that. I can't walk out of the house. I can't drop that, right? Because I I think because they already think how big of an impact it will be. Mm Mm-hmm. And that could be scary and uncertain, right? Well, they're, they're afraid to drop the ball because they, at that point, don't trust the fact that he would be able to step into the gap mm-hmm. and be able to pick that ball up and run with it. So you could see how already things are, are out of balance for them. And the only reason he doesn't pick the ball up is because you haven't dropped it. Because she's still doing <laughs> you it. You all got it. Right. So why? <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yep. <laughs> I had a really interesting experience with a client. I've never had this before. It was the first time in a, in 20-something years of doing this, right? And so one of the things that I'll do with the client is some energy work. And the that work is connecting the wisdom of your head and your heart. And, you know, our head is what we know, and our heart is our truth. And when those are out of alignment, when there's a disconnect, we're always going to defer to what we know because we like certainty. Whether we like it or not is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. And so I said, well, what do you think about doing this work? And she was with a guy who really had been cheating on her since even before they got married, and he was still cheating on her. And she says, oh, I don't want to do that work. I don't want to connect my head and my heart because I'll I'll be divorced. I'll have to leave him. <laughs> and oh, so and he left her two weeks later. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is Self-fulfilling so... Self-fulfilling prophecy. Right? But it, it's so speaks to how terrifying it is and how much as a young as young women we compromise ourselves because we've been taught 
that a guy really won't stick by you. And men have kind of been taught that you can do whatever you want and she's always going to stick by you. Well, unless there's a fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. Human beings in relationships will do such drastic things to avoid feeling rejected and abandoned. And those are just the, the two major ones that just motivate such bad dysfunctional behaviors in relationships. Well, they motivate relationship. That Those are the two things that make you have that strong desire to be with another person. Right. Now, if it's dysfunctional, yeah. <laughs> if it's functional, then that's the best of all the worlds, right? One of the other comments you had here was, just because you have the same goals... It doesn't mean you have the same idea of how to reach them. Mm. Meaning that, you know, the the person was referring to um, their first marriage where one of them was kind of the fly fly by the seat of the pants kind of person, whereas the other person in the relationship was like a planner, right? And and I think this kind of, this um, speaks to dating, and how there's this veil of ignorance <laughs> <laughs> that happens when you're dating. And the things that are so... False advertising? No, 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 no. The things that are cute, mm-hmm. the things that just seem so adorable, they come back to kind of haunt you later on in the relationship. And, you know, there are certain things that, you are attracted to uh, when you are seeking out a partner. And those become your lessons that you have to learn. You know, in looking at Gottman's work, so Gottman is a... Leading researcher on couples work. Yep, yeah, ton, tons of uh, studying of, of watching people. And one of the categories he found that was part of a healthy relationship was... Accepting influence from your partner. Mm. And so, yes, you are going to come into a relationship with different ideas, even if you have the same goals. But when does your partner accept the influence from you? And when do you accept the influence from them? And so one of the things that I would say we're a little out of balance with. Who? You and me. Mm. Us? Uh Uh-huh. Because you like to plan. You like to know where we're eating dinner and what's on the menu I and how the reviews are. Wait, and I think you're exposing us a little <laughs> bit here. And, and it's a great thing because you've created many wonderful memories and trips yeah. and Wonderful meals. dining experiences, right. I have to say. But in my world, I like to wander about and see what happens. Mm-hmm. And when you wander about and see what happens, you can get disappointed. And so I think we got out of balance because whenever I wanted to wander, we ended up disappointed because you wanted to know. And that attraction of just letting it flow wasn't happening. And so I don't think we've ever really found the balance of when do we just go and explore and see what happens, even if it sucks? And when do we have it all planned and know? Well, and so that's yeah. like the accepting influence that I would say we're a little out of balance. Yeah, I, I think that when we would go and wander, we would get 
frustrated because we couldn't find anything. But when I wander as <laughs> well. an individual person, I attract it, and you have a resistance, and so then it's frustrating. Right. What were you going to say, Ange? Let me throw in, let's see if this is an example of accepting influence, but different. So for Alec and I, when we were thinking about going to Colorado for Christmas, we wanted to take our dog, Arnie, and this was probably a couple months of deciding and talking and arguing. And I said, I do not want to fly with him. And Alex said, I will own, I'm not going to drive to Colorado. Right. And Alec didn't want to drive to Chicago. Like he didn't want to do that. And I was like, I don't want to take, I don't want to whatever, um, two flights to get to Colorado. So, I think we both accepted influence over time by finally deciding that we would drive together to Chicago and then we would fly with our dog, Arnie, to Colorado. So Alec didn't want to drive. I did. Less flying. And I didn't want to fly, but Alec did because that would be, you know, shortened trip. And we made that work. Is that accepting influence? Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So you, you negotiated, okay. found something yeah, in the yeah. middle, that, some balance. Yeah. And I think those are really important things because I, I would guess you both learned something. Yes. And the way I see it is we both bend. Bent? We bent. Mm -hmm. We were bending for each other Let's a little bit. say lean in. We were leaning in. Leaning, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was a little uncomfortable for both of us. Flexing. But ended up That's, working like out. That. We That's got better. our goal. Flex. Yeah. yeah. And could you imagine if you would have done two flights mm. or if you would have driven the whole way? Yeah. Right. It would right? have been right. That would have been difficult then and probably resentment on one side. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you both took the risk and accepted that influence. And so I would say that's a really important thing. And so if you are in a place in your relationship where you are not quite at the commitment stage or the formal legal commitment stage mm. or before that, um, strive for that. It's really hard to hold that line because you feel a truth inside of you. And it's really hard to accept influence or wrongness or rightness mm -hmm. where you're both wrong and you're both right. And, I remember, Ray, when we started the company, when we started the Lighthouse, and we locked ourselves in a room for like eight hours. And I was like, we are not leaving this room. It was excruciating. It was excruciating. We were trying to just come up with a brochure. And we I both know. had- Isn't just, that awesome? It was yeah. just a so brochure. energy. Yeah. That's oh great. And we both wanted a certain message and a certain feel and a certain look. And we were on different pages. And I was like, I know if we sit here long enough- mm. We're going to come up with the best thing. Not what you want, not what I want, but the best thing for what we're creating. And that was a huge message. And that brochure is long and gone. Long, right? long gone. <laughs> but that idea of it's the, the flexibility is important and so is the the deal breaker. Not, I don't like the deal not, breaker, no, but, that's not but that way. like non-compromise of certain things and flexing on other things because what's in the middle is, uh, I really think it's always going to be the best, what's in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think it, it is a, a manifestation of both your truths. Mm -hmm. 
I don't know if we answered any of the questions, but I think this is a great podcast. I think so. And (laughs) and it gives everyone else the opportunity to reflect on what would you like to know before marriage, right? Yeah, we would love Which, to if you're married, your answer is probably any. the most important thing you've learned. Oh, that, yeah, that's yeah. that's interesting, yeah. So we are for sure going to come up with a home study course for people that are in the early stages mm. of marriage pre-nuptials. or pre-marriage. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Pre-nuptials. A pre-nuptial the, nuptial, home study course. Fancy Old time word. I well, love it. I'm, I very, like I'm kind of a fancy person. <laughs> <laughs> and so thank you to everyone who responded to the uh, the poll, the Facebook message of, you know, what what do you wish you knew? And please let us know about how you would answer that question. You can email us at contact at couplesynergy.com or you can also contact us through our Facebook page or Instagram or just go to couplesynergy.com. Mm-hmm. We want to thank all of you for joining us today on Couple Synergy. Our passion is in helping couples and people have happy and healthy relationships. And this podcast gives us a fun way of bringing our knowledge and expertise to you, our listeners. For all of you listening, please let us know how you enjoyed our show. If you have any questions, comments, or topic suggestions, again, please email us at contact at couplesynergy.com. For more information about Couple Synergy and our programs such as Relationship 101, our home study course, the Couple's Weekend Intensive, and our premier coaching program called Couple to Couple, look us up online at couplesynergy.com. And if you know someone who can benefit from this episode... Please download it and share it. And thank you for listening. Until next time, synergize your life and synergize your love. You have been listening to Couple Synergy with Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Couple Synergy was recorded, edited, and produced by Dr. Ray and Jean Ketkodian. Voiceover and music entitled Breathe and Let Go was recorded and composed by Gina Gonzalez. Mm-hmm.